these are some statistics on Valentine's Day that uh, I saw this week. It just blew me away. The average person, uh, it's probably the average man, spends $130 on Valentine's Day. Well, that's not a lot of money. Well, that is a lot of money you in to think about it. I figured out what they, if everybody that came to church today gave 130 we would really have a good Sunday that way. But. I know, fantasy world. I'm just teasing. Listen to this, guys. Now, if you don't write anything down, you need to write this down. You young guys in front of me, you need to write this down. 53% of women in America said if their boyfriend did not get them anything on Valentine's Day, they are going to drop you like a rock. 53% of women said they would break up with you if you did not get them anything on Valentine's Day. That's brutal, isn't it? American women. And listen to this. We spend $18.6 billion, billion, billion dollars on Valentine's Day in our country. Is that not incredible? That, is, that makes me want to open up a flower and candy shop. I mean, man, that is incredible. And what's interesting is the origin of Valentine's Day really didn't have anything to do with sweethearts. It, Valentine's Day is named after an obscure third century priest. What do you think his name was? Easter. No, it was Valentine. It was Valentine. And he was a really loving guy. He wrote letters. He wrote cards. He wrote notes to people affirming him, sharing his love for him. And then he was actually arrested and put in prison for his Christianity. And in prison, his reputation was he continued to write cards and letters to people and encourage them and tell them he loved them. And in 270 AD, he was executed for his Christian faith. But that's where we get Valentine's from. And it's really, it's a, it's a great origin for the holiday. We're in John chapter 13 today. Now, we've been in a prayer series most of this year, and we're going to be out of it, obviously, today because it's Valentine's Day, and we need to talk about love. And then next week, we have a revival. So in two weeks, we're planning on being back at, in our prayer series. But John chapter 13, if you have a Bible, if you don't, the scriptures will be on the screen. But I want to begin with this thing, and this is really important. Really loving others is the key to true success. Now, this passage is assuming you're a Christian. So really, we would say this, the key to true success in life starts when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And then after that, the key to your Christianity really fleshing itself out. And the key to success in life is how you really love other people. I became a Christian when I was 19. And, and I didn't know this, but I was kind of at the end of my athletic Career. I thought I had a few more years of playing in college, but I, it ended up I didn't. And one of the first things I wanted to know was, was, was being a Christian and living for Jesus going to make me a better athlete? And then I've had a ton of people ask me that question through the years. Is it going to make me a better athlete? Will it make me a better boss? Will it make me a better husband, a better wife? And the answer to that is absolutely 110% yes. When you live for Jesus and you're living a pure, happier, healthier, more loving life, you're going to be better at baseball, basketball, and badminton. You're going to be better. And, and, and looking this morning at loving others, I want to tell you, this is a key, a gigantic key, the key after Jesus to real success. In John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, as I have told the Jewish leaders who will search for me. 
but you can't come where I'm going. Now, the context in John chapter 13 and really 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus is fixing to die. All those chapters are dealing with what we would say kind of the last supper time. Within 24 hours, Jesus is going to be arrested and dead. And then within about three days, he's going to be arisen from the grave. And, and then in a month and a half, he's going back to heaven permanently. So he's given them, we would say, kind of a last-minute instruction, pep talk. You need to get what I'm telling you. It's really, really important. And in that context, look in verse 34. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new command. The word new there doesn't mean numerically. It means new in usage and, and new in quality. And it's interesting, the word command there means a directive. But in the New Testament, it stresses the one giving the command. I mean, let's be honest with you. If your girlfriend tells you to do something or your boyfriend versus your head coach or your parents or your principal, the command comes across differently, doesn't it? Uh, and, and this directive is coming from God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm giving you a new command. It's not going to appear new on the surface, but it's going to be new the way Jesus uses it. I want you to love people, love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Now, way back in the Old Testament, it, it, the very beginning, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love people as, as yourself. Jesus said in Matthew 22, hey, the, the two most important things are love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. But here Jesus puts a little different spin on it that's tremendously significant. Jesus says, I'm telling you now, love each other as I, Jesus, have loved you. We're going to look at that in detail in a moment. But think about this. There's a difference in just saying, I'm going to love you as I love myself, versus saying, I'm going to love you as Jesus Christ loves me, right? That's what he's telling him. And, and remember, this quick review for some of you, New Testament was written in Greek. They had four words for our English word love. We have one word. I love my dog. I love my wife. And I love baseball. And you mean, hopefully, different things with all those, right, guys? You're supposed to. And there are four words that had a word for sexual love. It's a great word in the proper context, but it's never found in the New Testament. There was a word for family love, which is found a time or two in the New Testament. There's a word for brotherly love, which is found occasionally in the New Testament. But the word used here and the word used over and over in the New Testament for love is a Greek word, agape. And it means an unconditional love. It literally means a showing of love. It, it's, not, it's not emotional. It's not, I feel this way towards you. It's making a choice to be loving towards people. You can be firm. You can spank your kid. You can ground your kid. You can... Fire a, a bad employee. You can separate from a bad girlfriend or boyfriend. You can move out of a bad situation and still be loving. It's not about affection. It's about choosing to love people. And Jesus says, I'm telling you what I want you to do, what's going to be the gigantic key to success in your life, is that you, by your behavior, show that you love people. Now, Jesus tells us two things. That right off the bat that happens here. Number one, this, this shows that we belong to Jesus. How can people tell if you're a Christ follower today? How can you tell? I want to tell you, <clears throat> if you have an innate dislike for people, you don't belong to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized, sprinkled 50 times. It doesn't matter what you know about the Bible. 
Jesus said in verse 35, look what it says in verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciple. A disciple is a follower. It's synonymous with being a Christian. Jesus is basically saying they're going to know you're a Christian by your love for each other, for people. Tatius was a Roman historian, probably came a little bit after Jesus was on earth. But in that era, Tatius said this about the Jewish people of his day. He said they loved each other. They were compassionate towards each other, helping towards each other, would do anything for each other. They just hated everybody else. They just hated everybody else. Doesn't that sound like a lot of church people? (laughs) Sadly, but truly. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you belong to me, it's going to be seen first and foremost how you treat other people. And I want to pause here too. I said this in the first service and I want to say it here. Quit thinking about how everybody else is doing you wrong. Quit thinking about everybody else who needs to hear this sermon today. You focus on you. I know how easy it is because I write the sermons, remember? Me and God. And I know how easy it is for me to be going, "Uh uh-huh, I hope somebody's here this this week because they need to hear this, and then they'll never be here. I learned that at my first church, so I just quit hoping that. But, but, But quit saying, quit saying today, man, my wife needs to hear this. She may elbow her occasionally, keep her awake. Quit saying, well, my boss needs to hear this, or my workers need to hear this. You need to hear it, and I need to hear it. So let's focus on us. Loving people shows that we belong to Jesus Christ. It's our badge of Christianity. Okay, secondly, and this is is so huge, it's a key to our human relationships. Everything in your relationships with other people rises or falls here. Nothing can replace it. In verse 34, I'm giving you a new command. Love each other as I've loved you. You should love each other. Jesus is fixing to leave and he's telling them, look, here's two things that are going to sustain you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He talks about that in the next few chapters. And you're going to sustain each other by your love for each other. Eddie Robinson was the great grambling football coach for 56 years. Listen to this quote by Eddie Robinson. He said, you can't coach a person unless you love a person. Now, I don't want to put words in Eddie's mouth, but I think I know what he meant. I think what he meant by this is you can't coach them well if you don't love people. Love is what makes you a good coach, a good teacher, a good parent. It's what makes you good at everything you do or it makes you fail at everything you do. Psychologists have debated for millennia about what is man's greatest needs. Some say it's we need to be appreciated. Some it's we need to be respect. I can tell you, not because I'm smarter than any of them, but I can tell you what your greatest need and what people in your life's greatest need is today. It's to be truly loved. It's to be loved. Now, love may look different for a man or a woman, but, but it's to be loved. When you and I love people, we're not only showing others that we belong to Jesus, we're haters because we don't belong to Jesus, and when we love people, it shows we belong to Jesus, and we're meeting the deepest needs in their life. You're wondering, well, why don't I get along with people? Why don't I have more friends? Why do the girls always break up with me? Why do the guys never ask me out? Maybe you're just mean. Love people. 
You'll be amazed how that will cure things. Howard Schultz is the founder of Starbucks. I love it. Years ago, I remember hearing an old man say, ain't nobody going to pay $3 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Drive by Starbucks uh, seven days a week out there. Starbucks, I don't know how they're doing right now, but at one time in recent years, they were opening up like two or three new stores every single day. Every single day. Howard Schultz was asked, how do you, how do, you do this and how do you develop leaders? He said, Two things, we look for leaders from within our organization, people we know and that we can trust, number one. And number two, we look for leaders who are good with people, who are good with people. Listen to what Schultz said. He goes, Starbucks is not first and foremost in the coffee business. We are in the people business. You ever thought about that? Did you know as a church, this may come to a surprise, but after lifting up Jesus, our main thing is people. Do you know that? And, and, and by the way, you who own businesses, your main thing is not selling stuff. It's people. I know our coaches know this and our teachers know this. Your main job is people. People is what life is all about. We meet people's greatest needs when we have a relationship with Jesus and we love people. So now let's answer this question. How do we properly love people? How do we do it? I grew up in church. I was there every Sunday. I heard all my life, love one another, love one another. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know how to do that. How do you love people? Verse 34, he says, love them like Jesus loved them. Okay, how do we do that? We're going to kind of walk through that. I love what the Bible scholar Charles Swindoll says about this word love. He says, you really could translate verse 34 by saying, Show love. Continue to show love. In other words, it's an active, visible, continual thing. Continue to show love to one another. Let me give you three ways we show love. Three ways we show it to our husbands, to our wives, to our boyfriends, to our girlfriends, to our teammates, to our friends, to the people we go to church with. How, how we do. Number one, serve them. Serve them. In verse 4 and 5, there's an incredible little verses in here. It says, Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, now folks, in, in Jesus' day, everybody wore sandals. And you walked on dirty, dusty roads. And so when you came into a house, there was, there was probably a couple of water basins there and some towels. And if the people had any money at all, they had some servants, maybe some slaves. The job of the lowest slave or the lowest servant was the foot washer. Because you don't want to do that, do you? I mean, they come in. I mean, if it's a pretty girl, that'd be fine if you're a guy. But, you know, here's these disciples, these grubby-feeted disciples, and, and, and somebody's going to wash their feet and clean their feet. And Jesus, the Son of God, puts on the towel and kneels down, and he washes their feet, showing us, and what he, what he said again, love as I love, do as I have done, giving us an example that big key to love is serving people. 
It, it's a, what does serving mean? Very simply, it, it's not anything mystical or pie in the sky. It just means, it, it means that you assist people, that you help people, that you do whatever you can to make their life easier and, and make their life better. Mark Wahlberg is an actor. Mark Wahlberg says he is a Christian. I don't know anything about uh, I never had a conversation with Mark about his relationship with Jesus. But I love something he said recently. He's talked about when he's in a movie. He said, if I'm in a movie and I accept a role in a movie, I don't care if I'm the star. He said, if I accept the role, I've accepted the role. My job is to go, listen to this, my job is to go there and do the very best job I can do and then to serve the producers, the directors, and the movie and serve those actors. If it's George Clooney, Matt Damon, whoever it is that's going to be the star, my job is to push them up so they do better. Is that not awesome? I don't know if you like the guy or not, but that's worth liking him just over that one comment. A, a researcher studied the American workforce for several years. Hundreds and hundreds of people he asked questions to. Here's what he came away with. 70% of people in America are stressed at their jobs. Why do you go to college, young people, so you can do something you like? Okay? That you may not make a lot of money, but you want to do something that you like. 50% of people in the American workforce said they were so stressed, they hated their job. They wished they could get out of their job. Here's, here's what else he found out. There's three types of people, basically, in the American workforce. He calls them the takers and the matchers and the givers. He said almost everybody falls under one of these three categories. The, the takers are the people that are all in it just for them. They may show up a little bit late. They may leave a little bit early. They're going to always take their maximum sick days, whether they're sick or not. And all they want is what the company or the team or the cause can do for them. They're takers. They suck the life out of the organization, but there's a lot of them. And the next is the matchers. This is a lot of people. The matchers, what the matchers do, they go to work or they go to the team or they go to school. They're going to do whatever's done for them. They're going to probably be on time and they're going to stay till you know, 5 o'clock squinting time. But by 5.02, they are gone. And they're going to, as long as people are decent to them, they're going to be decent back to them. They match what's done to them. 8% of the workforce is what this scientist called givers. He said, they're the people that show up early and stay late. And they go to work and here's their attitude. What can I do for the cause? What can I do for the team? What can I do for my boss? What can I do for those people under me? I'm here to make everybody else better. Surprisingly, that is the happiest group of all. Wouldn't you think that the takers would be the happiest? Because they're all they are is just getting. No. The 8% who are givers are the happiest, and they're the ones that are the most successful. Listen, you will find your life that you're looking for when you find Jesus and you love people, and you love people in a fundamental way by serving them. Jesus said, I have come to glorify God and to love and to reach and to serve people. You love people, go home today and ask the people you live with, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Some of them may have to go to the emergency room. Uh, they may, you know, have, have a heart attack because you've done that to them. But they'll recover and they'll be fine. Love serves. Let me give you a second thing. How do you love people? You just be kind, nice, and friendly. Okay. I know some of you this morning, you're going, Pastor, we want something deep. And that's not very deep. 
If I could spank you right now for thinking that, I would. And I have a fraternity paddle that can ring it too. A Christian or a church that is not friendly are oxymorons. You know what an oxymoron is? It's a contradiction in terms. And I would even say they're morons. <laughs> Years ago, I was invited to speak at a place. 99% of the time, when you're going to a religious place to speak, they treat you nice. I got there, and by the way, we've got a guest speaker coming in next week. Please be nice to him, okay? Just be, be nice to him. And you will be. And so I get there, and when I get there, they've already started singing. And man, they are really, I mean, they are singing loud. Their, their hands are raised. And, and, and I love that. I mean, I, you know, if that's really sincere, man, I love that. They were really, they were rocking the house with their singing. Then I got up to preach, and I noticed the temperature got a little cooler. Probably because of my preaching. I'm not denying that. But, you know, they listened okay. And, and so I get finished preaching. Remember, I'm the guest preacher. I'm the guest speaker. When it's over, I, I started walking out like I'm going to walk out that back door with the people. Not a person even spoke to me. I wanted to vomit when I got out. And here's what I told myself. If my church is ever like that, we are going to institute corporal punishment in the church house. They will know we are Christians by how we sing, by how we preach, by how we dress, by how we condemn people. They will know we are Christians by, we are lo by our love. You don't love people if you can't smile and say good morning. If you can't be friendly and nice, get Jesus because I don't think you have him. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, listen to this. Love is patient and kind. See, we don't like this because this is hard. And it makes us actually do something. We'd rather talk about revelation and debate about it. It's not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. True story, New York City several years ago, a young lady, a young lady lived by herself. She didn't have any friends in the midst of 18 million people in that metro area. She left work Friday afternoon and she said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to end my life. She said, I'm so depressed, I'm so sad. She got on the subway, she had a 30-minute ride home. She kept her head down most of the way. But right as the subway was coming to a stop where she was getting off, she looked up and a lady sitting across from her looked at her and smiled real big and said, how are you doing today? That woman went home, and here's what she wrote in her diary that night. By that person smiling at me and acknowledging me, it gave me hope to live another day. She didn't kill herself based on the fact that a complete stranger looked at her and smiled and asked her how she was doing. Friend, if you undersell this as a Christian, you are missing it completely. You're missing it completely. Some of you are going, well, that's not my personality. Get a new personality. <laughs> Write this down. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. A great book. 
great. I will buy it for you if you don't have the money. Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and people. Some of you, and I'm not thinking of anybody, but I'm just saying some of you, maybe you just need to pull your nose down a little bit. You are not better than other people. Quit snobbing them and snubbing them. You're going to die and you're going to stand before God just like them, naked with nothing. Where's my money? <laughs> well, it ain't with you there. Where's my prestige? Well, I'm going to be there. Everybody we meet is just as special as we are, and we're all super special. How do we love people? Man, it's so easy, but so many of us miss it. Just smile, be nice, and be friendly. Say amen. amen. Good. Let's do that, okay? And here's the last thing. Put them first. Put them first. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, I want you to love them. Is I love you. How Jesus loved them, he served them, washed their feet. Listen, I know Jesus was a friendly, nice, kind people person because children love coming to Jesus and children don't like going to snooty, mean religious people. They just don't. Jesus' whole mission was leaving heaven to come to earth to do God's will and to reach us. Jesus' whole mission for 33 years was to forget himself. Selfish and love are antonyms. They're completely opposite. You, You can't really love people if it's always all about you and you get in your way, you have in your way. You're upset because you didn't get what you wanted. That's not what love is. Love is, is, is kind, it's friendly, and it's putting other people above yourself. Coach Goff, you can correct me after church on this, but I, I think love in some ways is like a sacrifice bunt. If you, if you don't know what a sacrifice bunt is in, in baseball or softball, first of all, let me tell you a funny story. Well, I'll tell you a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you this funny story. I'm going to throw Clayton under the bus. A sacrifice bunt is normally you got no outs or one outs. you got a runner on first base. And the whole purpose of the sacrifice bunt is the, the guy at bat or the girl at bat is going to turn and just try to get the ball in play. Try not to get hit in the chest by a 90 mile an hour fastball, correct? But I guess if they did, they'd still get on base and advance the runner, so that's a win too. But you're just trying to get the ball in play and you're trying to get the, the runner advanced into scoring position. Now, here's the, hold on to that thought. Here's the funny story. Clayton told me this after the first service. Clayton, when he was in high school, got up to bat. True story. Bases are loaded and there's two out. The coach gives him the bunt signal. Clayton shakes it off and the coach says, gives him the bunt signal. Clayton calls timeout and he goes to the coach. He goes, the bases are loaded and there's two outs and you want me to sacrifice bunt? He said, son, the way you hit, that's the best chance we got of getting some wood on the ball. Clayton squares up, sacrifice bunts, the fielder misses it, the run scores, and he gets on. Incredible. That coach was like a psychic, wasn't he? I mean, he... But the sacrifice bunt 
that you, you advance the runner, and hopefully the batter behind you comes and gets a hit and then scores a run. And so the guy, one guy gets to score a run. He's a hero. The other guy gets an RBI. He knocks in a run. He gets a hit. And the, the other poor guy who sacrifices, he gets thrown out at first base, and he goes and sits down and watches all this happen, right? But you know what? In my mind, he's a hero because he's put the runner ahead of him, the batter behind him, and the team above him. That's what love is. Love in many ways is like a sacrifice bunt. It's letting the other people get the glory and get the credit. It's advancing the team and the cause. When you love people, you sacrifice for them. It's not about you. It's about them. That's who Jesus was. Jesus is fixing to die on the cross for our sins. Sacrifice. Love is sacrificial. Remember what I said? Love is the key. Man, it's what people need so, so deeply. In the 1200s, 13th century, there was an emperor, a German emperor named Frederick, Frederick II. And Frederick II decided to do a horrible experiment. He rounded up orphans and, and babies that were not wanted by their parents And he placed them in homes. That was good. But he gave the the people in the home strict instructions. Here's what he told them to do. I want you to feed the baby anything it needs. Give it water. Feed them. But you are not to speak a word to them. I want to see what language a child will speak if it never hears a language. You're not to touch it. You change it, clean it, whatever you have to do. You don't touch it. You don't hold it. You don't cuddle it. You show it no affection, no attention at all. As he began a year or two, three, to bring all those people together to find out what language those children spoke, you know what they found out? Every baby died before it ever had the ability to speak a word. And in 1248, one of the historians, German historians, wrote this. He said, that experiment proves we cannot live without love. Folks, people need love. And God's called us to that. And I want to challenge you to live this out in your life. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you more in a moment, but I want you to really examine how you're doing in this. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you belong to Jesus, but you're ready to make that leap, would you pray with me where you're seated? Would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart this morning. And I'm surrendering my life to you today. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment, and when we do, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. 
One thing you can do is catch me or one of our ministers after church. We'd love to talk to you about it. But if you're ready to do this, when we stand, come and talk to one of these ministers. Cross that line with Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. You can do it after church. Or you could do it this morning. You can stand when we stand and you can come. We'll help you do that. Come and join us today. We're imperfect, but I promise you we're going to try to love you. Christian, maybe you're doing great with this. Maybe you're not. Maybe where you're standing or at the altar or praying with a minister, you need to ask God to reignite your love for Him and for others again. Man, do that this morning. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting.